The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time, your home for the lowest price last minute tickets. Download the Game Time app today and use promo code SGPN for $20 off. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play Underdog Pick'em for a chance to win 100 times your money. Promo code SGPN, UnderdogFantasy.com for a 100% deposit match. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app for ZHOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Everybody to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Nerica is currently early Monday morning, just past midnight on um, Monday, February 19th. I'm Rosso with Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode. Time to get into three more ATP events that are going to be starting on Monday. So we're going to be talking about Doha, Los Cabos, and Rio. Now, Rio is a 500, while Doha and uh, Los Cabos are 250s, but we're still going to cover them, and we're going to cover each of the quarters, whatever we have for Doha. Unfortunately, though, for the PSA that I have to give out, we only have quarter markets on one tournament. We only have Doha, so we are going to be focusing only on the outright winners in Los Cabos and in Rio, and we're going to talk about Doha a bit more in depth. Either way, though, uh, to get into the actual show, before we get into anything, do want to remind everybody to like and subscribe on YouTube. Also, to remind everyone, if you're listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, hit the uh, rate and review. Uh, so don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a review if you do enjoy the show. Also, a reminder, check out the merch store on the SGPN website for Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. We have t-shirts, we have mugs, etc. If you want to support the show, you know where you can buy some merch. Either way, though, uh, starting off with the recap from Sunday's action. Got to recap the lock and dog picks. Unfortunately, did not win, but... We have one play that is yet to be determined because Fritz ended up not taking place because there's supposed to be the final between Fritz and Paul on uh, Sunday. You had bad weather in Florida, and the match got moved to Monday, so temporary hold on our lock. For the dog, though, picked up a loss in the final in uh, Buenos Aires as we had the over two and a half sets in the Diaz Acosta and Jari match, a plus 130. Didn't get there. Jari was 3-0 in a lifetime. Every match went to three sets. And yet, you saw Diaz Acosta kind of dominate the match. Jari, I believe, a triple break point on the fir- in the first game of the match. And then Diaz Acosta kind of took over from there. And you ended up seeing Diaz Acosta win his first ever ATP title. I believe it's the fourth time this year we've had a, we've had a, a first-time winner, uh, which is pretty cool since we're already uh, only about a month or two into the season. So point is, Diaz Acosta is a very talented player. I am a little bit annoyed that he ended up winning Buenos Aires because I gave him out to win Cordoba a week ago. I picked the wrong Argentinian tournament, but I recognized how good Diaz Acosta was. I picked the wrong event. It is what it is. And as a result, he now has an extra trophy in his trophy case. But either way, Jari had a pretty underwhelming showing. It just seemed like the topspin uh, that Diaz Acosta was generating, which is a bit too much for Jari to handle when it comes to actually keeping the ball in play. Unforced errors are always going to be an issue for Jari, and they were an issue again on Sunday as Diaz Acosta got the job done. Besides that, though, uh, looking at the other match in Rotterdam, Sinner once again won, beat Dimenauer in straight sets, pretty much par for the course. He is now 7-0, lifetime against Dimenauer, and Sinner has been on the warpath. You can argue he's the best player in the world right now, even potentially past Djokovic, we'll see. But Sinner is in incredible form, and nobody's near him. At this point, you can say Djokovic, of course, who is kind of picking and choosing his events. He will not be in any of the three events for the upcoming week. But the point is, Sinner has been just on fire in 2024. He ended up helping 
Italy win the Davis Cup. He ended up winning the Australian Open. Then he ended up winning Rotterdam. He's been rolling, and I mentioned it on yesterday's show. I think he's better than Alcaraz, and people might disagree with me because two is greater than one for Grand Slams. But based on current form, Sinner is easily better, and it's not really close. Either way, though, uh, time to actually get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. To start off in Doha, then we're going to talk about uh, Rio. Then we're going to talk about Los Cabos. Starting off with Doha, once again, we do have quarters for this event. So we are going to be going a bit more in-depth in this tournament compared to the other two. Starting off with the recent winners, you had Medvedev beating uh, Murray in last year's final, which was a bit of a shock. Murray made it. That was the tournament where Alheshka had a couple match points on a serve, choked it away, and Murray got the job done before, losing in straight sets to Medvedev. Uh, Batista Gut won the year before against Basilashvili. Basilashvili won the year before that against Batista Gut, and Rublev did win against Mutet. Now, as for the actual uh, odds here, we're going to start off with the quarters. Starting off with the first quarter, you have Rublev at minus 140, Vakina at plus 400, Shevchenko at 650, Murray at 800. You have Moore at 14 to 1. You have uh, Gasquet at 20 to 1, and you have Mensik at 20 to 1. Simply put, give me Rublev at minus 140. I think he's the best player here by a wide margin. I mentioned before he's a former champion, and the fact is, you're looking at everybody else in his actual section. If Fakina has the second lowest odds in your quarter, I like your chance of actually making it to the semi. So give me Rublev at minus 140. Not going to really dive much more, I'd say. I'm, I'm not really going to dive more into it. I just think Rublev's the best player here. His path is pretty favorable, and I do think his quarter is pretty weak. I think he's worthy of being a minus favorite. Give me Rublev to win the first quarter with nobody else. Moving on to the second quarter, you have Umber at plus 130. You have Munfi at 450. Musetti at 6-1. to one. Sonigo at 6-1. to one. Zhang uh, at nine to one. You have Zanshulp at nine to one, and Kotov at twelve to one. Umber is going to be my pick here at plus one thirty. Simply put, we know how great he's been for the last couple of months. He's won a couple of ATP titles. Won a title earlier this year where he beat Dimitrov comfortably in the final. But Umber has been in phenomenal form, and I do think you're looking at what is a pretty interesting quarter because there's a lot of talent in it. But a lot of the guys are playing against each other before facing off against Dumbair, who does have a bye in the first round. But like Monfi, Musetti, Sonigo, can I see any of them making a deep run? Sure. But most of them are going to cannibalize themselves because they have each other in their paths. And I do think you're going to end up seeing Umber capitalize on that because he's going to get the remains of whatever's left at that point. And based on Umber's form and based on the trajectory he's headed towards, which is a potential future top 10 appearance in the ATP rankings, I got to go with Umber at plus 130. He's been in great form. I'm not going to go against him. Give me Umber at plus 130. Moving on to the third quarter, you have Bublik as the favorite at plus 175. You have Greek Spore at 3-1. to Vuksovic at 4-1. to uh, Papyron at 6-1. to You have Batista Agut at 8-1. to Shelby at 14 to 1, and you have Grenier at 20 to 1. I'm not picking the favorite here. I'm not going to go with Bublik. I know he ended up winning us an outright a couple of weeks ago, but I know Bublik is not exactly trustworthy, and I picked the right event to back him in, but I don't trust him in Doha, especially based on the actual court speed of the event. I mentioned the recent winners, and there's one common theme with the winners here with Medvedev. I mean, his serve's decent. Batista Gut has a no serve whatsoever. Basel is kind of the same boat, and Rublev's serve is pretty good. But the point is, serving is really not 
that big of a factor in this event. You had Murray make a final last year's Murray, who was past his prime. Basilashvili twice. Mutet made a final here. Like I don't think the serve really matters that much. So you're looking at Bublik, who of course has a good serve. The issue is the actual mental, I'd say, consistency and the willingness to actually try to outlast his opponents. And I don't see that happening in Doha. I see a lot of longer rallies. I think Bublik's going to struggle with the double faults. I think he'll struggle with the patience, and I think he'll eventually lose early in this event. So I am going to skip over Bublik. I'm not going to take him. However, I was trying to find somebody that I think could take his place. And the one guy, the obvious choice, is going to be the guy that had a great showing in Rotterdam over the last week. Give me give me a Greek Spore at 3-1. to one. I think 3-1 to is a very good price for a guy that had a great run to the semis in Rotterdam, beat her catch, was serving very well, and you're looking at what I think is a pretty favorable draw for him. Fuksovic is a good player, but once again, his overall fitness is always an issue. The Pirates fine, not always the most consistent player in the world. Agut's well past his prime, so I don't really care about the the past success for Agut. Doesn't really mean anything to me, but I think you're looking at what should be a good path for Greek sport after having a nice showing in Rotterdam last week. Give me some of the momentum to carry over. It's not Greek Sport's fault. He ran into a buzzsaw in Yannick Sinner. I think he gets back on track here. Give me Greek Sport a good price of 3-1 to one to win the quarter. And moving on to the last quarter, you have Kashanov as the favorite at plus 110 in the fourth quarter. You have Rusevori at 3-1. to one. You have Struff at 5-1. to one. Morozin at 7-1. to one. O'Connell at 9-1. to one. Zipieri at 16-1. to one. And you have Capriva. At twenty to one, I am going to go with multiple options here for the four, for the uh, fourth quarter. Give me the two favorites here. Give me Kashanov at plus one ten, and I will go with Rusevori at three to one. Kashanov, simply put, I think his game translates well to the courts in Doha. He's got firepower, but he can also try to outlast opponents. We saw that he had a marathon match against Dimitrov in France a couple weeks ago. But the point is, Kashanov's a very solid player, and I do think he's in line for a good showing here. I like his price of plus one ten. Rusevori, I also like because I do think he was as what well, he was also in good form in Rotterdam. Did lose to Greek Spore, but that was competitive, and I do think Rusevori has the game to make life difficult for his opponents. He's got the firepower, and you're looking at who is who else is in the quarter. He buried Struff in uh, Rotterdam, so he just faced off against the third favorite in the quarter, and he won in straight sets. So I do think that based on the most recent meeting between Rusevori and Struff and the fact that Rusevori has been in pretty good form. I do like the overall odds for getting either, maybe both, uh, a deep run from Rusevori and from from uh, Kishanov. So give me both. Kishanov plus 110, and I will go with Rusevori at 3-1. to one. Now looking at the actual outrights to win the event, Got to mention the actual odds for everybody. Uh, Rublev's the favorite at plus 275. Kashanov's around 6-1. to one. Umber's at 7-1. to one. Bublik's at 9-1. to Rusevori's at 12-1. to one. Fikina's at 16-1. to one. Greek Sports at 16-1. to one. Shevchenko's at 20-1. Fuksovic's at 20-1. Munfi is 22-1. Struf is 25-1. Senegal's 25-1. You kind of get the point. So I mentioned a lot of favorites for the actual quarters, and I'm going to go back to them for the outrights here. I have four outright picks. I have Rublev. I found three to one. I'm going to take that former champion, most talented player here. I think he's in line for a good showing. Give me Kashanov at six to one. 
I think his game translates well, and he was in good form. Not his fault he ran into Dimitrov and lost a final set breaker. But Kashanov has been in good form so far in 2024, and that's going to carry over into Doha. I'm going to look at Umber as well at 7-1. to Kind of the same reason as Kashanov. I just like the current form. I think he's in a pretty solid quarter, and I do think that Umber is, once again, a future top 10 guy if he keeps playing this well. So give me Umber at 7-1. to And my last pick, my long shot, will be Greek Spore at 16-1. to I like the form he's been in, and I think he's in line for a potentially solid draw if Bublik does lose early. And I do think based on the actual court speed of Doha and the overall, uh, just I'd say, the overall form of Greek Sport, I think he's in line for a good showing. So give me Greek Sport at 16-1. to 1. That's going to do it, though, for Doha. Now it's time to move on to Rio. Uh, so once again, do not have quarters in Rio and in Los Cabos. Starting off with the recent winners, you had Nori pulling off the upset against Alcaraz in the three-set marathon last year, where Alcaraz got hurt midway through the match, and Nori took advantage late in the third set. Alcaraz beat Schwartzman the year prior, Green beat Mager, and you ended up seeing Dejir beat Felix. So looking at Rio, this is going to be a pretty interesting tournament because you have one massive favorite, kind of a repeat of the Buenos Aires lines, because Alcaraz around minus 150, give or take, and Nori's the second favorite, about 10 to 1 or 11 to 1. Jari's at about 12 to 1. Uh, F. Sarandolo's at 16 to 1. Dejir is 18 to 1. Baez is 22 to 1. Fees is 25 to 1. Munar is 30 to 1. Corey is 30 to 1. Green's 30 to 1. Tabilo is 30 to 1. And that's basically it. Uh, to mention some other guys, Diaz Acosta is 35 to 1 to go back to back. And that's basically it. Now, last week I took Alcaraz. I thought he'd get back on track. And I thought the field was pretty weak, and then he ended up losing to Jari in straight sets. I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but I will state it once again. Alcaraz has a grand total of zero titles since Wimbledon, so I don't think I'm going to make the same mistake twice. Now, if Alcaraz wins Rio, it is what it is, but the point is, if you have a guy who's a minus-150 favorite to win the event, and he has zero titles since Wimbledon, I don't think I can actually get away with taking you again. I'm going to use it as a live and learn lesson. And I think that based on that, I can't take Alcaraz until he wins another event. Should he win in Rio? Probably. He's the best player here by far. But too many times I've seen him struggle in recent events when it comes to adjustments and trying to uh, really just, I, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but just to get over the hump. I don't know if he's pressing. I don't know if he's relying too much on talent and not enough on his actual mental game. But there are some serious issues with Alcaraz's performance deep in tournaments, and I can't take him at minus 150. I just can't do it. So because of that, we do have a couple of longer shots we're going to give out here for Rio. First one I want to give out is Nori, defending champion. He's in a pretty solid section of the bracket, though, because he's on the opposite side of Alcaraz, Baez, and Diaz Acosta. So I'll let those three guys kill each other, and I'll let Nori get a potentially solid, favorable draw on the other end. Nori did lose in three sets to Coria in Buenos Aires, had not played many clay matches before that. It was competitive, did lose, but still, I think Nori's in line for a good showing. And then my second pick will be the guy who beat Alcaraz in Buenos Aires, the guy who just lost in the final in Buenos Aires. Gimme Jari at 14-1, to 1, made the final and beat Alcaraz in the semi, so I know he definitely can handle Alcaraz even if he's off against each other in this event. A reminder, last year, Jari almost beat Alcaraz in this event because he lost Alcaraz in three sets. I believe he won the first set 7-6, lost the next set 5-7, then got bageled in the third set. So I don't know if he officially got injured in that match, but Jari had him on the ropes and he beat him 
uh, less than a week ago. So the point is, Jari, I do think has a pretty decent price at 14-1 to for a guy that has a couple of clay titles, a guy that made a deep run in Buenos Aires, and a guy that has beaten Alcaraz recently. I do like his price at 14-1. to So I am going to take those two. Once again, my picks for... Uh, Rio, I'm going to go with Nori at 11 to 1, and I am going to go with Jari at 14 to 1. If Alcaraz wins, would I be shocked? No, it is what it is, though. I can't take him at minus 140, minus 150 when he's not won a title in that long. So, or in that, in such a long period of time. Moving on to the final tournament, we have Los Cabos talk about, which should be a very entertaining event. The issue is with Los Cabos, though, which might ruin some of the future episodes for the tournament. Most of the events in Mexico tend to have really late start times for their matches. So we might have to punt Los Cabos midway through the week just because I'm not going to wait till 2, 3 a.m. for odds to get posted. That's kind of absurd. So I think I'm probably going to end up punting most of Los Cabos during the week, but I'm still going to cover the actual outrights right now. So starting off with the actual odds to win the event, uh, looking at the favorites, you have Zverev at plus 225. You have Sitsipas at 450. Rude at seven to one. You have Dimenauer at seven to one. Draper at twelve to one. Safulin at twenty-two to one. Kikmanovic at twenty-five to one. Giron at twenty-five to one. Mickelson at twenty-five to one. Arnaldi at twenty-eight to one. Thompson at thirty-five to one. I'm really not going to mention anybody else. So going through the actual outright picks here, I am going to go with the favorites, or at least a couple of them. I'm going to take Zverev at uh, plus 225. I just think that his game is pretty, I'd say, well-equipped to handle the actual conditions in Mexico. I think that he's a very solid player in general. I had issues with him last year because I was waiting for him to get over the hump following the injury, and he finally did want a title or two, and I just like his form. He should have probably made a final in the Australian Open before choking that two-sets lead against Medvedev. But the point is, he's in great form. He's a very good hardcore player, and I do think he's in line for a good showing here because he also has good durability, so he can handle the potential heat and the potentially, uh, I'd say, less-than-ideal conditions in Los Cabos. So give me Zverev as my first pick at plus 225. I'm going to give out Dimenauer as well at 7-1. to one. I kind of have to. I know he's played a lot of tens recently, did make a final in Rotterdam, so you can argue fatigue might be an issue. But at 7-1, to one, it's a great price for a guy that's been in phenomenal form and a guy that's drastically improved his overall skill set. Dimenauer, though, has been playing the best tennis of his career, in my opinion, in 2024. He also won a title in Mexico last year. It was not in Los Cabos, though. It was in Acapulco. But the point is he ended up winning that tournament, had a couple of marathon matches. I think he beat Tommy Paul in the final, but I remember that Dimenauer was involved in a couple of serious marathon matches. We know that his stamina is pretty good for the most part. He's very athletic. He's got a lot of speed, and it does seem like he's been more aggressive coming to the net and actually hitting better approach shots, which has allowed Dimenauer to be more aggressive and to get on the front foot a bit more in rallies, which has been a big reason for his success. But I do think 7-1 to for a guy in great form and a guy that has won a title in Mexico, I know he can handle the potentially tough climate there, and I think that it's going to definitely result in a good showing for him. So give me, as my two outright picks for uh, Los Cabos, I am going to go with Zverev at plus 225, and I am going to go with Dimenauer at 7-1. to So once again, my picks for the actual outrights for the show. For the quarters in Doha, I'm going to go with Rublev at minus 140, 
in the first quarter. Give me Umbear at plus 130 in the second quarter. Give me Greekspor at 3-1 to one in the third quarter. And the fourth quarter, give me Kashanov at plus 110. And give me Rusevori at 3-1. to one. For the outrights to win the event, give me Rublev at 3-1. to one, Kashanov at 6-1. to one, Umbear at 7-1. to one, And give me Greekspor at 16 to 1. For Rio, give me Nori to win the tournament at 11 to 1. Give me Jari to win the tournament at 14 to 1. For Los Cabos, give me Zverev at plus 225 to win the tournament and give me Dimenauer at 7 to 1 to win the tournament. That's going to wrap it up though for the actual outrights for Doha, Los Cabos and Rio. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for the first round of these events. And before we actually get into any of those picks, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsor? We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sport events in person. It used to be very difficult to actually find a ticketing platform that I could trust, but that changed once I found Game Time because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have great last-minute deals as well on tickets, and the best price guarantee means you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. My favorite feature on the Game Time app is easily the images of seat views, and maybe you have had this experience too. You spend your money, you get to the actual game, and you realize there is a pole, some type of obstruction in my line of view. And you realize you wasted some money because you can't see anything that you actually paid to see. That will not happen with Game Time because Game Time will give you a preview before you buy the seat so you know exactly what view you're going to get. Game Time is also the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So, sad to take us out the stretch with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Ter- uh, terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price Guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NBA, NHL, and college basketball. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You win up to 100 times your money with some spicy plays. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. Remember, when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of $100. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this, this NBA season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports betting analytics platform parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any par- any parlay idea and Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool. You can hear it's broken down by leg, as well as expect probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent that driven parlays. Down the Hall of Fame Bets app for the HHOBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the outrights for Doha, for Los Cabos, and for Rio. Now it's time for the actual lock and dog picks for the show for round one of these events. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to a matchup in Rio. Coincidentally, both plays will actually be from Rio. This play will be taking place on Tuesday, so no rush, but it's going to be on day two of the event. We're going to look at Fees in his match, and we're going to go with him to get the job done in straight sets at minus 116 as he's taking on Fonseca. Now, Fonseca is a 17-year-old wild card who is only here because he's Brazilian, so they definitely got him a spot reserved in the field. He probably doesn't deserve to be here because he has not been very good recently in the challenger level anyway. This will be his second ever career ATP match. He was here last year, and he lost to Mulcan in this event 
last year, uh, 6-0, But you're looking at his recent form, not very good on clay in the last couple of matchups against relative unknowns. Now he's against Fees, who did win a clay title last year. So I know Fees is an up-and-comer, solid player, top 25, top 30 talent, and he's definitely the much better player in this event. So I do think he is going to look sharper in this event than he did in Buenos Aires because that was his first clay match of the year. I mentioned it before. There tends to be a match or two of a transition period where he switched surfaces, and I'm not exactly shocked that Fees looked that bad in his first clay match of the season. I think he'll look a lot more comfortable on the clay here against a much weaker opponent. I know Lahovich is older, but the point is Lahovich is still a solid veteran, a guy who's won a title or two on clay before. And the fact is, Lahovich is a guy that can beat anybody on any given day. We saw him beat Djokovic, for example, last year on clay. So I think Fee's going to look a lot sharper. I think he'll be in line for a good showing here. But minus 116 for him to win in straight sets against a 17-year-old qualifier or wild card who has been struggling on the challenger level and was here last year and lost 6-0, 6-3. I think Fees wins this comfortably. I think minus 116 is a very good price. Give me Fees in straight sets of minus 116 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to stay with Rio. This match will be taking place on Monday afternoon at around, I believe, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Going to go to a matchup between front of the podcast, Varias and Ramos Vinolas. And we are going to take Ramos Vinolas to get the job done here. We are going to unfortunately fade our friend of the podcast from last year. We're going to take Ramos Vinola's money line at plus 127. Both guys, full disclosure, not exactly in good form, but Varias has been in really bad form for a while. Varias has lost seven straight matches. Seven. So the fact that he's laying about 140, 150, I think is kind of absurd in this spot. Not to mention the fact that Ramos Vinola, despite being a little bit past his prime, is always tricky to play against because he's a lefty, he's got the top spin, and he's been very good and successful in the head-to-head against Varias in their careers. A lot of clay matchups and a lot of Ramos Vinola's dominance because they faced off six times in their careers. All the meetings are on clay, and Ramos Vinola's is 5-1 and one straight up in the meetings. Faced off three times last year on clay. Ramos won two of them. In fact, he won the last two. So the point is, I do think even though Varias, you make an argument, is in line for some positive regression where he's going to figure it out and Clay might help him out with that. When you're one in five lifetime against this guy and you've lost seven straight matches and I can get plus 127 betting against you, that's an absolute bargain. I'm going to have to take it. It will probably not be easy because it's never easy with Ramos Vinolas. So it might go three sets, but I'll fade the guy that's lost seven straight and I'll back the guy that has won five of six career meetings. Give me Ramos Vinolas money line at plus 127. So once again, the picks for the show, the lock is going to be on fees to win in straight sets at minus 116 against Fonseca. And my dog will be on Ramos Vinola's money line at plus 127 against Varias. We'll back once again for the quarterfinals in Doha and in uh, definitely Doha and Rio. Los Cabos, once again, we'll see. The matches take place so late, though, probably not, because I'm not going to have odds on time. Uh, in time to actually do that. So maybe I'll do a separate episode for Los Cabos. Probably not. We'll see what happens. But either way, we'll definitely be back for the quarterfinals of Doha and Rio. Until next time, though, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. A reminder to find me on the NBA show, the NFL show, WNBA show, MLB show. I get the point. Also, a reminder to, uh, of course, hit the like and subscribe button and to rate and review if you're listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Until later in the week, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.